In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Everyone takes issue with Jesus. You struggle with his word, his doctrine, that is his teaching. It is simple, but it's not always easy to hear. Some of what he says confuses you. Some of what he says makes no reasonable sense to you. Some of what he says is downright offensive to you. And yet, here you are again to sit at his feet and to listen to him. You've set aside your preconceptions and expectations to simply receive. Somehow, you'll live with the confusion. You'll suspend your reason for a time and even take what feels to be like blows from him. You are like the Canaanite woman who became Christ's punching bag, or like Jacob who wrestled with the Lord all night, even receiving an injury, demanding to be blessed, or like Job who had everything taken from him and yet still holds fast to Jesus, expecting every good gift from God. You know that Jesus chastises those whom he heals. He disciplines those whom he loves. He's not doing anything to hurt or to harm you. Everything he says and does, even his discipline, he does for your good. He always has in mind the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He does not willingly afflict his children. He loves you so much as to not let you continue to live in rebellion, despair, or just outright unbelief. Because with Jesus, you have God's free and unmerited favor. David said of Jesus, his son, grace is poured upon your lips. Throughout the Gospels, and in your life, you see how Christ brings many a poor sinner to the knowledge of their sins. And then he comforts their terrified conscience with those sweet words of forgiveness. He snatches you, his lost lamb, from the brink of death and leads you home by ways of righteousness. The burden of sin is removed and rest in Jesus is given. The gentle and lowly one gives rest for your weary soul. I'll try to reconcile that with what you heard in today's gospel. He doesn't speak such lovely words to those antagonists. He called them liars and children of the devil. Harsh words. They are, as he says, enemies of the truth and thus of God. He is strenuous and sharp, arguing with them vehemently. Is he angry? Yes. Is he brutal even with his words? Yes. But with they, just as it is with you, he's not seeking their destruction, but rather their repentance. But as we come to see, as the Holy Week progresses, they have grown so hard to his word that they've become like new pharaohs, holding God's people in bondage to the law no longer setting them free in the forgiveness of sins. 
Again, remember the whole context of what's happening. Jesus has come to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacles, when all Israel remembers annually their deliverance out of Egypt and the giving of the promised land of Canaan. These events pointed to Jesus, as John said. These events, the dwelling in the wilderness, when he said, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory, the the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The same Jesus who led his people through the wilderness of Sinai by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night is now by his own flesh dwelling among them, leading them in pathways of righteousness. That bread that they remembered eating, we heard last week, that was about him. Because Jesus is the true bread from heaven by which all believers are fed eternal life. Moses and Joshua, they led the people to the brink of Canaan. But it was Christ the prophet, the angel of the Lord, who led his people into the promised land and now leads his people in faith through death into his eternal kingdom. All of these amazing truths Jesus has confessed to the chief priests and Pharisees. It's true, for Jesus, his preaching has been sharp, but also comprehensive as he was in the temple. And for those who had ears to hear, they received from him true light that has come into the world to shine into the darkness and to set free the captives. Because he is the light that no darkness can overcome, not even the darkness of death. And yet, as we heard today, for these chief priests and Pharisees, these sermons pierced to their hearts, but rather than creating them new hearts, they rather just uncovered how hard those hearts were. His word had undermined everything they had come to believe. Every mistaken thought about the Messiah, about the manna, about the feasts, the temple, the sacrifices, their own identity, and even as they understood Jerusalem and the land of Israel. Jesus undermined everything they had come to believe. No wonder they were so angry. Yet you'll note that the chief priests and Pharisees' opposition to Jesus, to his word, I'd say is pretty petty, even humorous. They call him a Samaritan. That is, a syncretistic heretic. Somebody who holds both to the truth and to whatever is not true. They also claim that his teaching is demonic. They argue that they are the true successors of Abraham, children of blood, even despite not believing the promise made to Abraham. Because they said that salvation came by the law. The righteous demands of God made by Moses on Sinai can be accomplished by their obedience. And regarding the Messiah, they believed that he was just an ordinary man who would bring about an earthly kingdom and earthly blessings and favors for those who do good. You might laugh at them and how absurd their beliefs are, That is, if you fail to see that you have the same thoughts in your hearts. Because the difference between these antagonists that we saw in today's text and you, the faithful, is simply one thing. Not what's in your heart, but rather 
that they simply refused to receive Jesus. Jesus really is the antagonist who antagonized the expectations and reasons of their hearts and indeed of your sinful hearts too. Jesus comes about with his word to overthrow the strong man, being the stronger man, overthrowing lies with truth, the devil by his power. So it is quite ironic that they accuse Jesus of being demonic, but with, by his very words, he's seeking to set them free from their captivity to the devil. This is actually what Christian preachers do week in and week out, whether you knew it or not. And that's why faithful Christian preachers are often accused of being negative. Because faithful Christian preachers are accused of being antagonists. Why? Because we keep pointing out, pointing the finger at you, showing you your sins and the sins of others, the sins of this world. But that's what Christian preachers have been given to do, to preach with salt and light. That's Jesus, Matthew 5. What does salt do? It stings the wounds of your flesh. It burns when the word is pressed down into your sinfulness. And when it comes to sin and sinfulness, the healing that Jesus brings is not always mild and gentle. Sometimes it takes that serious, passionate word to bring the healing you need. It hurts so much. But that's all that it would be healed. The Jesus we heard today is the one who preaches salt upon the earth. He speaks harshly to save them, though, from their error. He never desires to see the death of the wicked, but rather that they repent and be saved. Ezekiel 18. Sometimes he speaks a hard truth to you, but it's all in love and for your benefit. And he doesn't just say it to you, but he says it to the just and the unjust alike. He sows his seed on every kind of soil. In the temple on that day where the chief priests and Pharisees were arguing with him, there was a whole mixed crowd. It was a feast after all. There were those who would reject his word, but there was also, listening in, those who would receive him. The difference between the two, God only knows. Wheat and tares, sheep and goats. So all the while, he is rebuking those antagonists who refuse to hear, whose hearts are so hard, but they'll never listen. That same word is being received by others as preaching of a good news of salvation. Salvation to those who would receive him in faith. Whoever hears my words will never see death. Those are sweet words, not words that antagonize. And so it is that if he is the true light, then you must listen to him as he leads you out of darkness. If he's the true way, then you must listen to him as, and follow him in his way. If he is your savior, then you listen to him and receive his way of saving. Therefore, Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. You could receive that as law, if you don't receive me, what will it mean? If you don't listen to me, what will happen? But receive it as good news. He's speaking to you. He loves you. Listen. That's what it means to receive Jesus, is to listen to him. 
If he speaks a harsh word to you, you respond, yes, Lord, because you know that's good for you. His word is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing into you, not to hurt and harm you, but with the skill of a surgeon, to reveal the sickness and disease in your heart. And you know that he always follows that word with, with comfort and healing. There's no end to the forgiveness of sin spoken to you. And thereby he lifts up you, the brokenhearted. Hearts broken by his very word. So today, he wants you to know a very particular benefit of listening and receiving him. The word that scandalized the chief priests and Pharisees is a sweet word of good news for you. He says, If anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. That's a word that brings comfort like no other. For the last enemy to be defeated is death. Soon you will travel with Jesus to his cross, where he dies your death. Soon, with him, you will encounter death during Holy Week. And maybe in this world, too. It might be the death of a loved one or a friend. Or you might even be given in the days to come to face your own death. But if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. If you are near Christ in his word, you will in that moment have a peace that surpasses all understanding. For you know that with Christ, death's foul reign is already ended. And those who quote-unquote die with Jesus are simply sleeping, awaiting the big wake-up call from Jesus on the last day. You may even be laid to rest right outside these walls. Abraham, Jesus said, rejoiced to see Christ's eternal day, the day of resurrection. He saw it already and is glad. You also will never see death, but it has already been changed for you into a doorway into eternal life. You, like Abraham, will break through death into life. For it is, as Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Thanks be to Jesus in his holy name. Amen. Amen.